Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3 on how the devil waited for the perfect time to attack Eve spiritually as she was the weaker vessel and how subtly the devil did it in order to get at him. Now, this message is available for a free download on iTunes.com or going to friendshipwithgod.org. Both places will help you to listen and download all messages for free, friendshipwithgod.org or iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, if you'd like to reach one of your lost Jewish friends with the gospel, Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries would like to make that possible by giving you a gospel gift to give to your lost Jewish friends so that they too might be saved. A frequently asked questions book, even information on the prophecy and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and also his testimony on DVD and in a booklet form. We can mail that directly to your lost Jewish friend or give that to you to give directly to them. You can fill out the form online at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Reach your lost Jewish friend. Now, you can also call us directly, and we can take that information from you over the phone, or you can make a donation, a one-time donation, or a monthly donation of support towards Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program. We can do that online again at friendshipwithgod.org or call us directly now or after the program with your support, which is 100% tax deductible, and 100% of it goes towards Jewish evangelism and keeping the Friendship with God radio program, this Bible teaching radio program, on the air. So our number is 800-247-3051, Support this Bible teaching radio program that also is heard by Jewish people, lost Jewish people, and you can support Jewish evangelism and the gospel going to them with Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program. So again, our number, 800 247 3051-800-247-3051. Here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 3, how the devil waited for the perfect time to attack Eve spiritually as she was the weaker vessel, and how subtly the devil did it in order to get to Adam. Okay, now, Genesis chapter 3, if you'd follow along here. In chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, God has gone to a lot of trouble to document this account for us of all the essential parts of what went wrong with our first parents. And we want to make sure that we don't miss it. And we don't miss what God wants to teach us through us. First of all, we see as we look at this that the serpent was in the garden. Now maybe that's, you know, earth shattering for you. But the serpent was in the garden. That's something really to take a, take a hold of. This was an idyllic place. I mean, what could be more perfect 
than this Garden of Eden. I mean, everything was here. Everything man needed was here and more. Not only had God carefully looked over Adam and Eve's needs, but he also, and he gave those to them in the garden, but he also gave them more than they needed. He gave them in the garden for their pleasure, for their enjoyment. There was not only plants there that was good for food. They were beautiful plants, it's emphasized. They had a variety of scents. They had a variety of flavors. He not only gave them animals to serve them, but he gave them animals to play with, to have fun with. The garden was not just a place with on the surface wonders of what God had created in his creation. But this, the garden was a place where they could s- discover new wonders that God had made. So it was like a marvelous classroom, the garden was, that just never stopped to stimulate their thinking and their, their marvel and their creativity. They became injured in any way. There God put the tree of life so that they could be healed. If for their fulfillment and their satisfaction, God gave them a job to do in the garden, to take care of the garden and and to um, guard it. And at the end of the day, when their hearts just seemed to yearn for something more to life than just the work and the play, they had God himself as their good friend who came at the end of the day and met with them and talked with them. What could be better? What could have been a more fulfilling and satisfying life? What could have been a more happy existence than they had there in the Garden of Eden? They had not only themselves, Adam and Eve, as companions, they had God as their friend. But the serpent was in the garden. The serpent was in the garden, in that perfect place. The serpent was there. And God had warned them. He had warned them that even in that perfect place of the garden of Eden, they needed to be on their guard. They needed to be on their guard. You know what that shows? That shows that when we think that we're in the best place, in the safest place, that we need to not let our guard down. We have to always be on our guard. We, well, I mean, think of the chapel just right now. We have just come from a wonderful surface. It was like heaven came down. It was just marvelous. And we could have gone on. In fact, we almost did go on for a long and long. Didn't want to stop. But it was just wonderful. And here we are together right now. We are gathered around the one we love, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are studying about him. We're breaking bread. We're drinking juice. We're remembering his great love to us and his death for us on the cross for our sins. We're singing hymns that praise him. We're hearing now his word taught. Sometimes I get into preaching. Anyway, we're just here as brothers and sisters And we're gathered around him. We're praying together. What could be more ideal? But the serpent was in the garden. And what could be more ideal than 12 hours ago, I'm sure, in the city of Jos in Nigeria, where Adina and Randy there as missionaries, what could have been more ideal than the evangelical church of winning all, just 12 minutes away from where Adina and Randy are? Just like this morning, just like we were this morning, just like we are this morning, when a suicide bomber drove into the compound this morning and killed two worshipers and wounded others, and Adina said the ground shook where their church was when it happened. 
or at the same time, about six hours away from the Nigeria in a city called Boo, in a brethren assembly like ours, in a brethren assembly, there, again, same idyllic situation when a gunman entered this morning and killed one of the worshipers and wounded many others. The serpent was in the garden. We can never let our guard down. We can't. At home, together, where it's a place of spouse we love, children together around us, a place of love, a place of, of care. We can't let our guard down because the serpent was in the garden. There's no place where the enemy cannot and will not strike. And so that's a call for us to be on our guard. As many of you know, we challenged the, the largest lab in the world, $6 billion, Quest Diagnostics. We accused them, the company Scanabodies, I did, accused them and their subsidiary, Nichols Institute Diagnostics, of causing harm to a half a million dialysis patients in the U.S. through a faulty parathyroid hormone test. And in retaliation, they bought a patent that they used to sue us. So for eight long years, we fought in the U.S., we fought in Europe, and we fought in Japan to invalidate that patent. And in Japan, I remember that still today, our partners, Sumitomo Pharmaceuticals, and us finally got this patent invalidated in Japan. We got it invalidated here in Europe as well, but we got it invalidated in Japan. And so we all went out to a celebration dinner in Japan, in a, in a private room, in a restaurant. And in that room, they had this very large metal helmet. It was a Shogun helmet from the Shogun period. And they, they took this big helmet and they put it on me. It was really heavy. It, it wasn't, it was, anyway. They put, it up, put this big Shogun helmet on me and they tied the chin straps rather tightly, I remember. And they stood me up there and, you know, hit me on my shoulders like this and they said, Kantarsan, you know. I really felt like a Kantarsan in that thing. But anyway, they said to me, we have a famous Japanese proverb. They look at me and they said, Kata kabuta no owa shameo, which means after victory, tighten your helmet straps. In other words, never let your guard down. Never let your guard down because the enemy will come back. You may have had a victory, he will regroup and he will come back. And the fact that the serpent was in the garden tells us, never let our guard down as believers. That's what this song means when it says, My soul beyond thy guard, ten thousand foes arise. The hosts of sin are pressing hard to draw thee from the skies. Oh, watch and fight and pray. The battle ne'er give o'er. Renew it boldly every day and help divine implore. Never think the victory won, nor lay thine armor down. The work of faith will not be done till thou obtain the crown. So the devil carefully watched Eve in the garden. The devil watched Eve until he had the perfect opportunity to strike. How come Adam wasn't there when the devil spoke to Eve? Because the devil waited for Adam not to be there. How did Eve just happen to be by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? 
when the devil talked to her. Because the devil waited till Eve was by the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what's the first word that Satan said to Eve in Genesis 3.1? What is it? What's the first word? Yay. He said, yay. Yes. He says, yay. Yes. What's it kind of indicate when he says, yay or yes? It's kind of a continuation of some thought. Maybe Eve was sitting there thinking to herself about the tree and the devil was tracking her thoughts and he was quick to insert himself into her thoughts with the yes and did God say? Maybe they were talking before, I don't know. And this is, we're just coming in the middle. But the devil has the ability to see what you and I are thinking about. Isn't that something? He has the ability to see what we're thinking about, and he has the ability to graph himself or to insert himself into our thoughts. And when he inserts himself into our thoughts, he does it by suggesting, by enticing, by luring, by tempting, and finally by pushing. That's what he does. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of that in your own mind? And that he's doing this? How can we be kept from being enticed and lured and tempted and pushed by it? Well, we saw this last week, so we're not going to turn to it. But you remember in Proverbs 7, verses 4 and 5, where it says, Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister. Call understanding thy kinswoman. Why? That they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. The Bible's wisdom. The Bible's understanding. You say to Bible wisdom, you're my sister. I dearly love you, my sister. I want to spend time with you. You say to Bible wisdom, you say to Bible understanding, you're my kinswoman, you're one of my kin, you're my friend. How can you and I be kept from the deceptive voice of the devil as Eve was not? Friendship with God. Friendship with God. Now, why didn't the devil tempt Adam first instead of Eve? He wanted to strike at Eve He wanted to strike at Adam through Eve. But he wanted to strike at Eve, not Adam. Why? Okay, this one turn to. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, that's wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. In this verse, how is the wife described? The weaker vessel. She's the weaker. The word weaker, it's the word, it comes from the word stenos. Stenos, it's like we get our word strength. We also get the word calisthenics, calisthenics from it. Callous is beautiful, stenics is strength. Stenos is strength. It's beautiful strength, calisthenics is strength. This is the word asthenos, so without strength. So it means, it means without strength, without power, helpless, without force. That's what it means. Now, it's an interesting term because Paul used that exact same 
word, that exact same term, and I'd like you to turn to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Here's where Paul says, And he, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in estenos. In weakness, in the state of no power, in the state of without strength. Then he says, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am a stenos, then am I strong. When I'm without force, when I'm helpless, when I'm sick, when I'm powerless, he says, then I'm strong. You know, in, in Japan, most of the churches that I've been to are filled with women. In fact, sometimes it's hard to even get men as leaders. Why? Because those women know themselves to be weak and need of God. Show me a person who thinks that he is strong, and I'll show you a person who thinks he does not need God. Show me a person who knows he's weak, and I'll show you a person who's ready to say, I need God. Now, why did Paul say that when he was weak, he was strong? He said it because of the last part of verse 9 in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where he says that the power of Christ may what? Dwell, rest upon me. He wanted, you know what that word means, rest in the Greek? It means to tent upon to set up a tent over, to tent upon. So Paul, he wanted the power of Christ to tent over him. He wanted the Lord Jesus Christ to set up his tent over him. When we think we're strong, we think, I don't need any tent over me. I'm I'm really strong. Tents are for sissies. I'm not a sissy. You and I are no match for this one in Genesis 3. No match. We're no match for the devil. And it's only when we know we are weak that we'll turn to God and say, Lord, tent over me. Tent over me. I'm weak. I want the power of Christ to tent over me. And you know why this is so important? Because only when we get in this position of knowing that we are without strength, and when we ask God and we say, I need your tent of strength over me, that's the only way to become a friend of God. There's four really important words I want you to focus on. Isaiah 57, 15. There are four really important words here. Thus, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth. Now that's the first important word there. That's the word shochen, shochen, shochen. It's a very important word. Because the word means to settle down or to lie down or to abide, to dwell, to, to tent, to camp, to nest, nest, nestle. That's what shochen means. He says, I am the high and lofty one and I shochen, I, I live, I dwell with eternity. So those who dwell with him are going to dwell with eternity too, as in eternal life. Whose name is Holy, I dwell, there's the same word again, shochen, I dwell, I abide, I camp with, I nest with, in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite, that's the second important word, that is of a contrite 
and humble spirit. Contrite. That's the word daka. Daka. That's important. That word means crushed or made powder. You know where that's famously used? And it's Isaiah 53, 5, when he said, He was bruised for our iniquities. That's the word daka. It means bruised. It means beat. It means pulverized, crushed. He says, I dwell with him that is that word, daka, that is pulverized, that is crushed. And he says, contrite and humble. That's the third important word. Humble, humble. That's the word shafal, shafal. Shafal is the word for depressed, depression. It means he dwells with the one who is depressed, who has a pulverized and a depressed spirit pulverized or crushed, bruised, and depressed spirit. And the fourth important word is the word, this word, to revive, to revive. That's the word chaya. Chaya is chay, you know, life. So he breathed into man the breath of life, chayim. Chaya means to give life. And he says, he gives life to revive the heart of the crushed ones, the heart of the crushed ones. You see it? So from this verse, God says that he dwells, he shochains with the contrite, the bruised ones, with the humble ones, the depressed ones, the shafal, and he gives them life, chayab. But what does God do? He does this wonderful thing that we just talked about. That's what they need. They need life. What do you need when you're depressed? I need life. What do you need when you're bruised and broken? I need life. And God says, that's what I'm here to give you. That's why it's so important to know that we are without strength, because that only puts us in the place. Now, that word shochin is very, very important. It's used in a number of places. For example, it's the root of shekinah. You've all heard the shekinah glory, but it comes from this word of the resting, the resting or the abiding glory. It says in in Numbers 12, when it's talked about the the movement of the tabernacle, it said, where the cloud rested, shochin, where it, in other words, went to dwell. In Psalm 16, 9, I'm just going to give you some verses here. Therefore, my heart is glad, my glory rejoices, my flesh also shall rest, shochin, shall dwell in hope, shall rest in hope. Shochen tikvah, shall rest in hope. So then he says in, in Joel 3.17, it says God is dwelling in Zion. That's God's choice to dwell in Zion. In Nehemiah 1.9, he says, I have chosen, he's speaking about Jerusalem, he said, I have chosen to set my name there. That word set is shochen. I've chosen to dwell there. I've chosen to be there. And that's one of many examples where God says that I chose where I'm going to dwell and live in Zion and Jerusalem. And you find this in Deuteronomy 14.23, Deuteronomy 16.2, Deuteronomy 16.6, Deuteronomy 26.2. All says the same thing. He chose to shochin, to dwell or live in Jerusalem. Same in Psalm 135, 21, Isaiah 8, 18, Joel 3, 21. So all of these verses are saying the same thing. But maybe one of the most wonderful uses of this verse is the introduction to the subject, which someday we'll get to, on the tabernacle, which covers 50 chapters in the Bible. Creation covers two. The tabernacle, speaking of redemption, covers 50 chapters. Very important. But the introductory verse 
for the tabernacle and for the creation of the tabernacle is found in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. So if you turn to that, please. Because here in this verse, God introducing the why of the tabernacle. Why are we going to have a tabernacle, Lord? Why are we going to do this? And God says in Exodus 25, 8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may shochen, that I may dwell, that I may live with them, that I may shochen among them, that I may dwell among them. And he says the sanctuary. That's the same sanctuary which we won't turn to now, but if you like to note, Ezekiel eleven sixteen, it speaks about that when he has scattered them into all these countries, he says, I will, I, God says, will be to them a little sanctuary. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, Tom Cantor puts out a daily devotional verse, just one verse with a small one, two, three sentence commentary to tremendous encouragement every morning. You can find that available on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor, Israel Restoration Ministries, or the Friendship with God radio program, all on Facebook. Or you can receive that daily devotional verse by going to friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org, signing up online for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. You can also donate to support the Friendship with God radio program, especially if you enjoy this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program with Tom Cantor. We need your support to stay on the air and to continue Jewish evangelism and reaching Jewish people with the gospel on the airwaves and with Israel Restoration Ministries. Donate 100% tax deductible your support at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or 800 800- 247 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow at this same time.